Hey everyone, it's Randy Holsey here, your host of Backstage Pass Radio, and today I've loaded up the portable studio and headed down south to Jamaica Beach to visit with today's guest. First of all, I wanted to give a heartfelt thanks to Denny and Connie Tier for having me set up shop in the middle of their living room here to conduct this interview with two wonderful musicians. My guest today is a Missouri native that found his way to the sunny beaches of Galveston Island. He is a prolific songwriter and an accomplished guitarist. Before the pandemic, he had created a large following in France where he had taken up residency for a while. You guys hang out with me as I'm going to visit with my friend Zach Perry when we return. This is Backstage Pass Radio, the podcast that's designed for the music junkie with a thirst for musical knowledge. Hi, this is Adam Gordon, and I want to thank you all for joining us today. Make sure you like, subscribe, and turn alerts on for this and all upcoming podcasts. And now, here's your host of Backstage Pass Radio, Randy Halsey. Zach, welcome back to Texas, buddy. It's good to see you again. Hey, how you doing, Randy? Thanks doing for good, me, man. doing good. Appreciate you. And I also am joined by guitarist Ned Evett. Yes. So it's great to have both of these guys here today. I guess you guys met just recently, right? This was a, a recent meeting between you two guys. Yeah, it was uh, my first show back on the island. I came down. I'm down here to mix my record, which I'm sure we'll touch on that later, but uh yeah, I was playing at Sharky's Tavern, and this cat walked in and looked just like Tom Waits to me. <laughs> we started talking. He said he had a guitar down the street, and he's he's got quite a guitar. And so, yeah, it was uh, it was good right from the get go. Yeah, we'll talk about that guitar a little bit because being a guitarist too, I looked at that thing a while ago, and it's like, is this a toy that he brought in? You know, because I've never seen anything like it. So I'll, I'll definitely take a picture and post this if you don't mind, Ned. I'll post it on the Backstage Pass radio site for the listeners to, to see what we're talking about. I think yeah. a picture is worth a thousand words. The tone is phenomenal. I've listened to you guys play a little bit before we got started. So very cool. But we'll talk a little bit about that. Zach, I think you and I met for the first time possibly at the the poop deck was the first time that you and I ran into one another and then I guess some time passed and I had booked a few shows for you around town and then a couple of times I came down and sat in a little bit with you and Chris so that's kind of where we where we got our our meeting and I guess we kind of been buddies for I guess a couple of years now I'm horrible with dates but uh, it's been a couple of years yeah I I can't remember uh the exact first time, but yeah, it's, sure. we got some history already. For sure. Now, I want to go back some years. You know, you're a young kid growing up. What was Zach Perry's first instrument? Do you remember that, being a kid? What, yeah, what the first I instrument had a, was? I was in eighth grade, and they had a guitar class, beginning guitar. And, you know, back then you got to pick your electives for your classes. I thought that sounded pretty easy. So my dad bought me a... A two-string K acoustic guitar, classical guitar. It only had two strings on it, and he paid $15 for it. I remember that. (laughs) But, yeah, that was the first instrument. It was a two-string guitar. Two strings, huh? (laughs) I'm not real sure what you'd do with a two-string, but I guess uh, that's better than a one-string, right, if you got two of them to play? It was funny because I remember trying to write a song before I'd even learned a chord, which was... Well, I guess you could still play power chords, right? Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I didn't know a power chord <laughs> exactly. was back then, right. but 
Yeah, I just was making up melodies from the from the very beginning. Yeah, probably a lot of melodies with two strings. You're sure. able to play some melodies. How about you, Ned? Do you remember your first instrument growing oh, up as yeah. a young boy? I was 11. My parents gave me a ukulele that it okay, belonged to uke. my mom, and she taught me a bunch of tunes that my grandfather had taught her on the ukulele, like old jazz standards. Wow. So yeah, I did that, and I just begged them for an electric guitar for like four years. And finally, I bit the bullet. You know, I. I bit the bullet and got a paper route and bought my first guitar so I could become Eddie Van Halen. Wow. <laughs> so what kind of music were you guys listening to? You were a kid in the Midwest, right? What, what did you come up listening to as a, as a young guy, just getting into music? Well, I grew up in St. Louis, and we had a radio station back then called K-Sheen. It's still there. It's, it's, it's not the same station it used to be. They were real visionaries back in the day. I grew up listening for everything from Neil Young to Rush. You know, of course, the Zeppelin was always there and the Stones and yep. classic rock, basically. Did you deviate much from the classic rock scene or was it, did you stay pretty close to the the rock and the classic rock? As far rock? as the playing or the listening? The, the, what you were listening to, what you were really into back then, you know, no, as a young I, I was, kid. I was very diverse because my father, he... Uh, he turned me on to Ray Charles at a very early age, and that was that was a life changer right there. Old Ray Charles, yeah, he's got the the grease. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, you know, going way back, and you you get a guitar, and you're starting to play. Both of you guys, what what were you wanting to learn on the guitar once you did start playing the two string or the five string or whatever you had? Right, it was well for me. It was. Uh, I always gravitated towards the songwriting. You know, I I never tried to be a great virtuoso guitar player. I, maybe because I realized early I wasn't going to be that. You know, I, I'm more of a meat and potatoes player, I think you'd say. But okay. I gravitated more towards songwriting and melody myself. Okay. I don't know about Ned here because he's he is a virtuoso. <laughs> yeah, I used to call myself virtuoso so and so because there are so many virtuosos in the '80s. Right. When I you know like. So for me, it's like uh, there got to be this deal where people almost got too good in the 80s in terms of their facility on the guitar. And songwriting had kind of taken a back seat. And then in the 90s, I kind of feel like Kurt Cobain and the grunge thing kind of brought the song back into rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I think things achieved a better balance at that point. But... Yeah, so, you know, like, I, I, I was a guitar player magazine kid. I was a guitar store kid. I wasn't a record store kid. So yeah. I learned, I absorbed anything I could about the guitar. Yeah. And then I came to guitar uh, songwriting through Richard Thompson, who was a really yeah. great songwriter, but also a phenomenal guitar player. So Richard Thompson, was he, uh, is it, where is he from? He's English. English, okay. He was in Fairport Convention. Yeah. That's right. Yes, yeah. that's right. Zach Hatt, yeah. Very interesting. Well, you guys, I know that Zach, you're a, you're a full time musician. That's what you do for a living, Ned. I'm just now getting the pleasure of meeting you today, and we'll talk more about your music. But is there a trade? Like, did you guys come up with a trade other than music, or was it always music only? Yeah, I started playing clubs when I was 15. You know, I had a kid in my, when I, you know, later in life, and I, and I took a job in a recording studio to pay for having a kid. So it was still music, but it was like, you know, a paycheck. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. And for me, it was, uh, yeah, I worked construction for years and years, swinging a hammer, but never quit playing music. And 
I guess about 15 years ago, I just realized that I had to put all my energy into one or yeah. the other, and it was music was my passion, so I've been sure. doing that since then. Well, I would think playing guitar is probably a little bit easier than swinging a hammer. <laughs> yeah, and it's hard to get motivated to play guitar when you've been swinging a hammer all day. You Absolutely. Know? So get a little worn out by that, absolutely. especially with the, in the Texas heat. That's not right. uh, for the faint of heart either, right? <laughs> now, you left the Midwest and went to Austin for a while. Was there, from the Midwest, was it Austin the first stop, or did you no, initially eventually I, found I went your up way to, to New Austin. York City. I was signed with a band up in New York City, and I had a publishing deal up there. And uh, I was up there about six years, but... You know, I wanted to be in a band, and in New York City, putting a band together is to get dedicated players. You, have, you know, you have to pay their cartage, you have to rent a rehearsal room, and they're all playing in five other bands. So I'd met my guitar player, Vern Bernard, which you know Vern, and uh, we left New York City in search of a band. And we went to Memphis, Tennessee, St. Louis for a while, and then we ended up in Austin. Okay, so there was a few stops before yeah, you found your absolutely. way to Austin. I, and I was kind of wondering, you know, how you came to Austin versus a New York or L.A., but it sounds like you were in New York and said, maybe this is not it, let's go elsewhere. But well, Austin, you know, there's I, a big scene in Austin, or there was. I don't know what it's like these days, but I'm sure that music is still pretty prominent in Austin. Well, it was when I first went there in 2000. I think it's changed quite a bit since the the big Microsoft and everybody's moved in there. But yeah. Yeah, when I first went to Austin, they, they sold guitar strings in all the convenience stores and hired right? original bands. And I was like, I went back to St. Louis. I said to the band, I said, we got to move there. And, and we did. Okay. And how long did you wind up staying in Austin? About 10 years. We okay. signed on a label down there right when we got down there and and that went belly up when 9-11 happened. Okay. So, yeah, it's been a long road. Yep. And, and you left, you, I think you, uh, did you leave Austin and came to Galveston or was there a stop between No, I was living Austin in and Austin and I was playing every Sunday down here in Galveston and I, I just got tired of driving back and forth. So that's what brought you here originally yeah. were there were shows here that you were yeah, playing. Yeah, Austin, there's so many bands that go there to make it that they'll all play for free. So it's hard to get a paying gig up in those parts. I found that interesting, too. I played a show last, I think it was last October. I played in Nashville, and I found out after talking to a lot of the musicians there that a lot, I mean, hardly any of those people are paid to play in those no. clubs on Broadway. You know, now the bigger names, of course, sure. but yeah. the ones cutting their teeth, you know, it's like a, it's an exposure thing to them. You want to you want to be exposed. You'll yeah. come in here and play an hour for free and then you'll go down the street and play the next one and the next one. And so it was interesting to find that out for sure. Nash Vegas. Nash Vegas. That's my hometown. Is it? OK. I was born in Nashville and just, I, I relocated to Galveston from Nashville. OK. And. Kind of what uh, like Zach's saying about Austin. It's like the when a when a town gets gentrified, kind of that money pushes musicians out. Like when you, get, when you get big money coming in and they're tearing down all the old cool music venues and building high rise condos, it kills the very noise thing. ordinances. The whole yeah, yeah. it kills the very thing that people move to the town for. Yeah. Well, they're coming there by the truckloads. Last I when I was there, I was talking to somebody and they said that Nashville is the fastest growing city in America. Is that right? Oh, yeah. And, and I'm telling you, there were probably 10 skyscrapers going up in downtown Nashville. It's unfucking believable the building that they're doing there. And 
and everybody's moving there. You know, we used to know Nashville as the country, the country people lived sure. in Nashville, but now, you know, the Vince Neals and the Kid Rocks and all those people are living in Nashville. So it's uh there's some positive things about that mix. Like uh, again, sure. a lot of LA producers now live there and there's some cool parts about it too. I don't mean to be totally negative, but sure for that sort of the, the scene and the, it, it can be difficult, but uh, yeah. Interesting. And so how long have you been a resident of Galveston now? I came here right after Hurricane Ike, which was a, Oh, nine, I believe. Okay. And would you say that now Galveston is a temporary home for you? <laughs> well, yeah, I started touring Europe in 2015, I believe it was. And I've actually spent more time over there than I have in the States since then. So For sure. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. Ned, I wanted to jump over to you real quick. It's, uh, you know, we were having some conversations before we got going. You said you're bad with dates. Take her to a movie. <laughs> no. Well, that's actually not a those, bad idea. Yeah, that's, that's bad advice. Not those kind of dates, Ned. Uh, well, probably bad at those too. I don't know now that I think about it. It's my understanding that you'll be playing this evening with Zach, and this will be for the first time, correct? Actually, or you played last night. I played last okay. night, yeah. And so we played at Sharky's too. Okay, Thursday night. 48 hours ago. Or okay. Hours. All right. Yeah. So y- y'all are like seasoned veterans now. Like, yeah, like I mean, this is, is not even a conversation we're anymore we're at this we're point. We're <laughs> we've had our rehearsals now. It's time <laughs> so uh, it, it, also in conversation, you had talked about, I think I understood you'd been on three world tours. Mm-hmm. with Satriani, Joe Satriani. Yeah. Talk, talk a little bit about your band. You're the supporting act for Joe Satriani. Talk a little bit about that. And I started touring with Joe in 2002 over in England. So this is my 20th anniversary of going to, you know, England and, U- and Europe okay. on tour. And I've done it as a solo, just me and my fretless guitar. I'm a fretless guitarist. I've done that. And I've also had a, a trio which I call triple double and that that's more like a Texas blues thing, rock and roll. I've done, I've done both. So this tour being my third tour, I'm going to go back to that original format of just me, my frail's guitar and do about 20, 25 minutes on stage. Okay. And I'll be on tour in Europe with my band at the same time. I'm going to try and get Ned up there to do some festivals with us. That would be cool. Yeah, be really I heard you guys kind of talking through that a little bit before we hit the record button. That, w- that would be certainly cool to, to get hooked up over there Absolutely. with Ned. Tell me, first of all, how you got hooked up uh, with, with the whole French connection, you know, the France thing, right? Well, it's, uh, I was just a little... Uh, moment in time, I was playing a little bitty dive bar here in Galveston, and I had just finished the show, and I was wrapping up my PA, and a, a man and woman came in, and they were from France, and his name was Fabrice Cat and Martin Cat. He's, he ended up being my manager, but he came in, he said he'd traveled all the way from France to see me. And I said, well, I'm, I, I'm done. <laughs> I started thinking about it. And luckily, uh, cooler, heads, cooler Head prevailed, and I set my stuff back up and played a couple songs for him. And he went back to France and started coordinating tours for me. It, was it a feel sorry for him thing that he came all that way to see you and you'd already no, packed was, up? Uh, or grateful, and yeah, yeah. I was humbled by that. Oh, know, sure. That's they, a long way to come to see anybody yeah. play, right? 
Well, they, you know, they were over here, but that was one thing they wanted to do while they were here to see me play because they'd heard me on the internet. And I was surprised when I got over there how far the internet reaches these days. You know, people were coming up to me with all of my CDs. Wow. And I don't even own one of them. <laughs> and what was the medium that he found you on? Was it uh, on a website? Was it an interview that you had done? Was it. Uh like a Spotify or I, you know, I don't remember? know for sure. I'm not sure about that. Maybe Facebook. Uh, okay. Friend of a friend who knows how sure. that stuff works, but yeah. Yeah. You never know how you're <laughs> going to be a, 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 a first degree network friend with somebody online. I mean, I've got just from the, the conversations and things that you and I have shared, I think it's Julian Mayu. Julian Mayu. Yeah. So we're about. friends with yeah. uh, on, on it's Facebook. Amazing. It's funny how, how you, you spread. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. The whole network of supporters over Absolutely. there. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It is. It is. And it's something that we didn't have as, you know, back in the 80s when I was learning to play the guitar in the late right. 70s. I mean, we didn't have all these cool things. I mean, I guess sometimes they can be a hindrance, I guess, but largely they're, they're a positive thing. I mean, Absolutely. you could reach all over the world now, whereas, you know, before you went to, to book shows, you literally had to what mail a cassette or mail a CD to somebody sure. to try to get booked somewhere. So it's it certainly, certainly changed the whole music industry too, you know? Absolutely. The record deal is kind of a thing of the past. You know, everybody makes their own records in their own house these days. Yep. And can almost do as good a job there as, as you can in the the big studios. Almost. I mean, almost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you got that $200,000 budget, yeah. you can hear it. Sure. Hear it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like leaving it all on the table. Sure. Yeah. How long were you in France for the first time? Do you remember the first tour that you did there? Yeah, the first tour was three weeks, which had... When I first got it, I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be in Europe for three whole weeks. And, boy, that goes by quick. <laughs> and the second one turned into six weeks. And, you know, last time I went, I just moved there. I, I lived there until the pandemic hit, which kind of shut everything down for everybody. Did you know going over there where you'd put your head down at night? Did, was that all prearranged oh, before yeah. you uh, went there? Fabrice Cat, my manager, he has a beautiful French villa and right on the Belgian border, and it's just it's a wonderful place, and that's where I stay when I'm there. Okay. And was there a particular city that you call home there? Was it Proasar? Proasar, yeah. Okay. Yes, it's, uh, right on, like I said, right on the Belgian border. There's maybe 50 residents, maybe. <laughs> well, that's small. There's not a store. There's not a restaurant or gas station or anything. You know. Is there running water there? Yeah, we got a little running water. We got to go down to the you creek. Have lights. Got to go down to the creek to get it. Okay. A lot of those little towns have like in France have like Roman bridges still functioning. The Roman oh, right absolutely. Town, like one little one lane Roman bridge. No kidding. Yeah, it's, I've never it's, had it's the amazing. pleasure of going over there, so I'm living vicariously through you two guys. If you're right a history now. buff, I I recommend it because yeah. it's just history everywhere. Wow. Now, over the years, you've developed a nice following yes, in France. Absolutely. Uh, and that led to sponsorships by, um, I think one of them was a local music company there that sponsored well, actually, some shows. They're, right? they're more than local. It's Key Music. I think they have 30 stores throughout Europe. And uh, they sponsor me when I get there. They, they supply my whole back line, whatever I need. So okay. it makes it really, really easy. Such a big deal. I, I was a PV artist for 12 years. Same deal. Yeah. And you can't, the value of those endorsements is just 
you can't even begin to explain it. It's like yeah. Shipping your own Beginning stuff. Beginning with yeah, getting your stuff over there, you know? Well, I think you and I had a conversation the last time you were here, and you I think you had mentioned something about you show up to the show and they already have all your stuff there and on on stage. Is it, well, is it like have, that? Or? Um, most of the festivals you play, of course, oh, the have, have okay. their own sound system, but one of the luxuries of being over there is we, we have a, you know, roadies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty nice. It's yeah. pretty sweet. You know? And how did that, how did that hookup come? Was that a Fabrice thing? That's He's, Fabrice. Yeah. He, he yeah. Set we that have a guy named him. Dominique that does everything for us. He gets our beer. <laughs> if we asked him, you know, he's just, he's a one hell of a good guy. Yeah. We all need that guy, right? Oh, the the good buddy that'll do anything for you. Oh, the oh. Europeans will, they'll do anything for you. Yeah. To make sure you're happy and put on a good show. It's, it's amazing. I, I think that's a kind of a great segue because I think that you, you were talking about the beer there that they named after you. So you have your own <laughs> line of beer that I, I, I don't know where they sell it, but tell the listeners a little bit about how that came about and what kind of beer is it? And uh, it, can another, it be found here in the, the States or is it strictly in France? Right now it's just in Europe. There's another, uh, my manager for Brees approached me and uh, brewery in Le Quenois, France, wanted to name after a beer after me. The, the band is Zach Perry, the beautiful things. So it's Zach Perry's beautiful beer, and it's a Belgian-style wheat ale with hops from Texas and Belgium, because okay. I wanted to incorporate a little Texas into it. Absolutely. And it's selling well. It's in, you know, hundreds of stores and restaurants and bars. You can get it in Dunkirk. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool when they yeah. told me that. So, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm very humbled and flattered by that. Yeah. It's, it's a good thing. And, you know, it's a little extra income here and there, too. Absolutely. Now, you reference beautiful things. Who are the beautiful things? Where did that name come from? When I first started going over there, it was a Zach Perry band. And I, on the first tour I went solo, I met some, some musician cats from Holland. I mean, it was, it was amazing. They showed up at my show, and they, they had their instruments, and they knew all my songs. <laughs> that's humbling in and of yeah. itself right and they set up and it was like we'd been playing together for years and then i met a, a french rhythm session julian and lucas and so my american band came over too and we had just this whole traveling road show of all these musicians and girlfriends and the children and the dogs and it was just a beautiful thing and i just kind of segued into that there's so many band became the beautiful thing so yeah. there's so many people involved yeah what does the band your band here stateside what does it look like today the band that you'll i'm assuming you'll take a band there this next hitch or will you use the guys that live over there already well i'm gonna be using the guys that are over there for most part of this because this first it's gonna be at least four month tour and uh, a couple of the guys can't get away for that long so for the most part, it'll be the French rhythm section, and they'll come over and supplement it for a couple of weeks here and there. Can you tell the listeners who those guys are over there by name uh, and, and what they're playing, what instruments they're playing in the band? Julian Mayu on drums yep. and Lucas Budina on bass guitar. Okay. And also, uh, we're going to be joined by Julian's brother on guitar and hopefully Ned Evan here. Yeah. Yeah. 
And what about the the state side, man? I know you've been paired with Vern for a lot of years. Uh, who else? Scott? Uh, is Scott, uh, Scott Ray and okay. Jason Sharon. They both live in Austin. They've been on every record I've done in the States. This, as a matter of fact, this one we're getting ready to release will be the first one that they haven't played on. Okay. So it's kind of bittersweet, you know. Yep. And how long will you guys spend over overseas, Ned? Well, again, I would say I, once I'm over there, I like to stay there as long <laughs> as I can legally, because you have to be you have to be careful if you overstay in Europe. They, it's difficult to get back in. Absolutely. Okay. So you have to really you cross your teeth, dot your eyes on the paperwork. So I'm going to try to stay as long as I can, and uh, and you know, playing with Zach as many shows as I could bolt myself onto would be would be right a on. dream. Yeah. That's interesting. The French crowd or the European crowd, I should say, versus an American crowd. Talk a little bit about that. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I'm American. I love America. But uh, a lot of people missing a lot of good music here. I mean, over there, it's, it's, it's drastically different the way the crowds listen. And, you know, if I do a, an acoustic show with... A hundred people in the audience, you know, it'll be silent mm-hmm. in there while you're playing. They, they, they listen. Yeah. They respect the artist. And, you know, and the bigger festivals, you know, it's like like the old days are all pushed up to the front of the stage, you know, half hour before you start. It's just more of an appreciation for music, I think, over there. I have some buddies that played in a, I, I guess you would call them, I, I don't like to pigeonhole people into a genre but let's just say they're probably maybe metal or or you know heavy metal and they're they're rock gods in germany like they go over there and play the huge festivals here it's like you know they have their following but you go over there and it's a whole yeah whole different world like you said people are bellied up to the stage pushing and shoving and thousands of people you know and these people are like hopping yeah that's what it's When you did your first tour in France, I think it was 16, 2016 time frame, you started in northern France. Was there a reason that you started in northern France versus someplace like Paris, you know? Well, I, uh, I, of course, I didn't have a name over there to speak of, and that's where my manager lived, was up north. So he had just started booking in that vicinity, and we just branched out from there. We ended up doing our CD release in Paris, so it was it was a good turnout. Do you, do you think that it's um, the music style or genre that you're playing that they're thirsty for in in the UK? Uh, what do you think the draw is? I mean, I don't want to phrase that question like you're a shitty musician. You're sure. a wonderful musician, but you know, I I didn't know. If, it, if it's like a Texas blues thing, that that's really, they don't get that over there. Well, they, Have you ever thought much about that? They eat up that? anything that's Texas-oriented, you know. They, they love that kind of music. Of course, Stevie Ray Vaughan had a lot to do with that. And, Absolutely. And, you know, just growing up watching Wild West movies, you know, the Texas thing. So they, they really dig it. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk about the music a little bit. So I believe, you know, that your music is a blend of rock and has some blues and country sprinkled in there. I don't know what what genre you would call that, not that genres even matter, but 
I guess they might call that the mutt, the mutt genre, right? Like you're, you're, you're a little bit of everything. Would you say that you're a blues artist or would you say you're a rock artist? Well, definitely not a blues artist in the musical sense of the, you know, when you think of blues, you a lot of times think of one, four, five, you know? Yeah. But lyrically, there's no doubt (laughs) the blues, there's a lot of blues in my lyrics for sure. And I think that's, that's where that comes from. What age do you remember writing the first song that you ever came up with? And do you still remember the song that you consider the first song that you ever wrote? I do. I was 14 and it was called Coyote's Tale. Good title. <laughs> and I, I don't remember it, no. So it's not still in the, no, the no. repertoire, right? Absolutely. How about you, Ned? Do you remember the first song that you ever wrote? You know, I, I started songwriting with a band. Like okay. everybody does a build piece. And I think the first song we wrote was called Outside Inside. And it sounded like the doors. It had like a bump, for like 10 minutes guitar solos right on and how would you classify the music that you you said earlier blues didn't you is it primarily a blues sound that you have or do you work outside of the blues i work kind of like zach it's like one thing i love playing with zach it's like he, he, you know, he never allowed himself to be ground into a mold. Yes. And he goes, that's, and to me, that's, that's what, where great music comes from. It's from borrowing from your passions and Absolutely. things you hear. So, you know, I'm the same way. I, I refuse to be pigeonholed in yes. any particular thing. Amen. And I think that's a common denominator, though. Like, I've had quite a few musicians on. I had John Evans on. He's a, a roots rock um, honky tonk kind of guy and refuses to be put in a box, you know, and is in, I guess some would listen to his music and say, it's a little different, you know, but it's like, that's, that's what resonates with him. And it's, it's very unique. And yeah, I mean, I think that's what makes the world go around is the uniqueness of music. Like Absolutely. it doesn't have to be a cookie cutter thing. Well, right? and like in Zach's case in Europe, it's like, yeah, if they see Texas songwriter, they will go one time to see the Texas songwriter. They're not going to come back, you know, four or 500 people in that way. They have to actually respond to the music. So, you know, Zach's got that going. Yes at that level. And Europeans, I think, are just a little more in tune. Maybe it's because it's exotic to them, but they hear the sort of truth that's coming out of somebody in a straightforward manner. Whereas maybe as Americans, we're blind, we're like deaf to our own music in some ways. I I start, were you going to say something? No, I mean, I struggle with that as a musician too, because you may not pay any attention, but I don't know if you've ever noticed when I come to a Zach Perry show, I'm very attentive to what you're doing. Yeah. I'm very much into who I come to see. I don't come to talk There's and do those things. You know what there. I'm saying? There is. <laughs> and I think I'm very unique because people just don't, they don't. And that's why I'm so. They're on their phones and they're watching the game. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, part, that's part of your it. background music. And, and my mentor um, told me who's, who's since retired from the music business. He's the reason I ever even picked up a guitar and started playing. But he said, I don't envy you playing right now at all because you sit to people with faces in the phones all yeah. night long or watching TVs like you, you could watch TV at home, but you go to a bar and you still watch TV like and so it's interesting to see videos that you've done over in Europe. Right. And these people are all just kind of gathered around you in these small little pubs and they're, and they're all into what you're doing. <laughs> and I'm like, I would rather have five of those people than 
250 or 300 that just yeah you're, you're just back you, you know where you know, I, I used to come from I used to get really angry about it on stage you know and yes I mean back years I'd even stop and call people out you know I I got over that but it's sad you know that you have to get over that to where you have to resign yourself to you're working again almost you know you're yeah. just there to get the money instead of there to connect with people in the crowd you know and that's right. that's what it's all about is connecting your music with somebody i, I agree it's, it's like a, a poet reading their poetry and people talking during the, yeah, it's like it's, it's just, a little disrespectful i mean to each his own like we're not going to change the world we're not going to boil the ocean right right but you know when you see that it it's a little disheartening, I think. Yeah, and you know, if you got to so. talk, then go in the back. Don't sit <laughs> in the front row, you know? Exactly. That's a whole different... We could go down a rabbit hole with yeah, that exactly. one. We're not going to get into that one. But does for both of you guys, does songwriting come easy to you? I know I've, I've heard a couple of comments uh, from your peers that say you're probably one of the, the best songwriters that they've ever heard. But but that doesn't necessarily mean that songwriting comes easy. So talk to talk to the listeners a little bit about... What goes into your songwriting? How hard is it? How easy has it been? And then I'd like to get you to share the same thoughts around your songwriting. Yeah, I, I get asked that a lot. You know, how do you how do you write your songs? And yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows. I mean, it sounds so cliche that they come to you, but they. You know, I hate to question it too much for fear that it'll stop happening. (laughs) (laughs) I get it. Don't mess up a good thing. But I, you know, I just, uh, to me, it's all about the melody. I mean, the melody is what carries the songs, what people remember. And uh, once you find that little melody, you start building from there for me, you know. And sometimes it'll start with a phrase, you know, and I try and write something on it, but it's, there's no straight method that I use. I don't sit down and try and write a song because if you do that, it's going to sound like you sat down and tried to write a song. Fabricated, you know? and yes. Getting back to what Ned said, you know, people want to connect with something real. You know, they want to be able to feel that. How about you, Ned? Well, you know, I have, I've got 12 solo records that are, you know, in they're on Spotify. I get 10 cents a year for each record. So. <laughs> Will you split it with me? <laughs> I'm buying tonight. I'll, yeah. buy, I'll buy you a water on the way out. <laughs> you know, it's funny, but like 10 of those records are all pulling from my personal life, mm-hmm. like writing songs about whatever relationship I'm in or whatever girls drive me crazy. And or all this touring that we do as musicians pulling from those experiences. Sure. And at a certain point I had to go, you know what? I just can't do it again. And I kind of started to learn just to sort of like write more songs about like history or, or write like a writer does from the perspective of a character. Sure. And not having to live it. You, you, you so get to much. feel like you're, you're writing the same thing over. There you go, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's where it gets hard, you know. Yep. Sometimes you got to write that song, man. <laughs> that's a good point. It actually does get harder in a sense because you don't want to repeat yourself. Yeah, you don't want to be redundant. And yeah. even if you're sounding like yourself, you yes. know. Have you ever thought about that, like of all the years that music has been in existence, like how do songs not step on each other lyrically? And I know they do, but you would think that all the songs have should already be written by now. It's quite amazing. It is. It really is. Yeah. Like we're still doing bass, drums and guitar like 50 years later. (laughs) We're not done yet. Yes. (laughs) There's more in there. Absolutely. 
All right, so let's jump into discography a little bit. Um, in 2002, you recorded a record called Seven Years, and there was a song that was featured on that called When the Lord Comes Stomping, and I was wondering if you'd be so kind as to play that live. Sure, absolutely. I wrote this song... Uh, I wrote this song uh, in New York City after I got a ticket for barbecuing on my fire escape. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a song. <laughs> are we ready, bro? Whenever you guys are. All right, this one's called When the Lord Comes Stomping. Keep in mind, Ned's never heard this or played it, so it's about to be awesome. Here we go. Please don't take my fishing pole. I need that sucker when I get old. I walk my bones to my honey hole. I wait for the Lord to come take my soul. Amen. Please don't take my riding boots I need them boots when it's time to scoot I put them boots on a country road Wait for the Lord to come take my soul Hell yeah When the Lord comes stomping I hope he don't go stomping on me Son, don't take no shit from anyone. I rarely turn the other cheek, and I hope that the Lord has forgiven me. Amen. And my mama told me when I was young, you don't have step for anyone. Smell half ass a mile away, and the Lord don't like that anyway. Hell no. When the Lord comes stomping, I hope he don't go stomping on me. When the Lord comes stomping, when the Lord comes stomping, when the Lord comes stomping, I hope he don't go stomping on me. Stop on it. Stopping on me, here it comes. I hear the Lord stopping. He's coming my way. Here it comes. All right now, when the Lord comes stopping, when the Lord. 
stopping, I hope he don't go stopping on me. When the Lord comes stopping, when the Lord comes stopping, when the Lord comes stopping, I hope he don't go stopping on me. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Zach and Ned there. Yeah, that's a foot stomper for sure, Zach. I love that song. That was off the... uh, Seven uh, years. Seven years, yep. Seven years in 2002. In 2006, you released Dogwood. And then fast forward, 2014, Broken Glass Parade. Mm -hmm. There was a little bit of a hiatus, 2006 to 14. What was the gap there? You know, it's just uh, life, I guess. We were... uh, the songs were written. We were trying to get money together, get in the studio. And at that point, we decided just to save our money and buy our own studio. And so that's, we've released everything since Dogwood in-house, so okay. to speak, you know. Okay. And there was a song off Broken Glass Parade called Daydream Braid. Mm-hmm. Remember that one? I do remember that one. Play that one for us. <laughs> yeah, these are songs that are kind of a band-oriented songs, okay. you know. But we'll, we'll try, yeah. Broken glass. Oh, it's a daydream braid. Here we go.
the Broken Glass Parade record. Nice job there, fellas. Thank you. You're you're pulling out some old (laughs) ones, man. I didn't say this was going to be easy. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, no more interviews with Halsey. I don't want to deal with that guy anymore. How many records records back was that? Uh, That was off of Broken Glass Parade, so it's 2014. Five records. Yeah, yeah. There was another one off of, I believe that it was off Broken Glass Parade as well, that has always been one of my favorites. And I think there's a story behind this song that, that you always share at your, your show, Zach, but it's uh, All I Can Be. Yeah. You play that one for us? Certainly. I wrote this song in six minutes. <laughs> song <laughs> we're gonna do it in three <laughs> was there anything in particular the song was written about well when i wrote the song i thought man it's that's silly little song that's stupid but then i realized it was the story of my life <laughs> <laughs> so i put it on a record but uh yeah it goes like this it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek kind of thing.
favorites there zach it's a well-written song good job on that guitar there ned yeah that song killed last night at the uh, boot <laughs> it always does it always does i, I remember a lot of boost. <laughs> i wrote it so i get free shots you also were working on i guess when you were in the midwest and i guess you and chris hughes were working on some new material called sea shack recordings yeah. Right. I don't think that that's been out yet, but can you talk a little bit about the songs that you guys recorded and where they were recorded and a little bit about that effort? Uh, my buddy Chris Hughes is a great uh, guitar player. He also played bass in the Zach Perry band back in the day. And he has his own little studio set up in his house right by the seawall here in Galveston. He calls it Sea Shack Studios. And we went in and did a little six song EP, three songs of his, three of mine. And you guys played all the instruments on that effort, right? Or did you bring others in to play some too? Uh, we had a guy come and play little keyboards, but mostly Chris did it. I, I laid down my vocals and my guitar, and I I had to cut out to the Midwest to do some shows, and he 
he filled it in when I was gone. I still haven't had a chance to hear it. <laughs> it, it sounds good. And, and for those that are listening right now that are familiar with my music, this is the same Chris Hughes that plays my shows with me and Zach's absent. So I kind of stole him. And uh, while Zach was gone and Chris, Chris, uh, play, I guess we're playing about 50 shows a year really? together. Yeah. 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 I think we're playing just about every Every show I book except one, we're, we're playing together. Awesome. So He's a great picker. Yeah, he really is. And he even makes me sound good, which is a, which is a good <laughs> thing. Right? Uh, I mean, where did you guys come up with that idea? Was it Chris's idea? Was it your idea? Well, a collaborative as as thing? Known Chris, he's, uh, he's always been trying to record, record and release his first CD. So we decided to get in there and get it done. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of getting it done off of that release that hasn't been released yet, I think the title you said is She's a Go-Getter. Is that right? She's a real go-getter. She's a real go-getter. I'd like for you to share that one with the listeners (laughs) if you'd be so kind. Oh, Randy. Randy. (laughs) Uh, This song, I I doubt if I'll ever... Well, I guess I am releasing it on C-Shack recordings, but I got a, a... fellow songwriting buddy up in Austin he's got a big back porch and a lake out there and we sit out there and write songs and drink beer and smoke stuff <clears throat> and his wife was just going crazy around the watering the plants and feeding the dogs and I was like does she ever slow down and he said oh, she's a real go-getter and then in the next breath he said honey go get me a beer <laughs> So I just had to write the song. It just came out about 15 minutes. There's another one Ned hasn't heard. Let's see if I can remember it. <laughs> well, ever since the get-go, she's been on the run. She's a real go-getter. She likes to get her done. I try to do what I can, but I'm just one man. That's why I'll never forget her, cause she's a real go-getter. So go get me a beer, dear. Give me something to eat. Go get my guitar, tune it up, and bring it here to me. I'm gonna sing you a love song, baby, about you and me. Knows I'll never forget her. Cause she's a real go-getter. Yeah, get y'all, man. Well, early in the morning, I'm still in bed. After two cups of coffee, the bills are paid and the dogs are fed. While the rooster still snores, she's doing all my chores. That's why I'll never forget her, cause she's a real go-getter. So go get me a beer, dear, give me something to eat. Go get my guitar, tune it up, and bring it here to me. I'm gonna sing you a love song, baby, about you and me. She knows I'll never forget her. She's a real go-getter One of these days I'm gonna change my ways I'm gonna get up in the morning Instead of sleeping all day But for now 
things couldn't be better Cause I got me a woman She's a real go-getter Come on, let's get it right Thanks for sharing that, Zach. I'm going to get off my uh, all request hour. (laughs) Again, yeah, thanks for sharing that. You laid a a thumb drive down on the table when we walked in, and you were talking about uh, songs that were done in France. And I'd like for you to share a little bit about what's what's on that disc. What are we going to listen to here soon? For now, tell the listeners a little bit about what you were doing in France. And was this during pandemic when everything was locked down that you, you yeah. guys were doing that? Well, when we moved over there, me and my guitar player, Vern, we took a whole studio and we rented this 300-year-old farmhouse. So we had our studio set up. Cool. So when we... Uh, when the lockdown happened, luckily we were locked down in a recording studio. <laughs> so we recorded 29 new tracks during that lockdown. And uh, this is the 15 of them on here. It's, the new release is going to be called Waking Up the Vultures. And that's why I'm in Texas right now. I'm down here mixing the new record. Okay. And it'll be released in the spring. Well, we look forward to that. Let's shift gears maybe. Well, first of all, is there something on the 15 or one of the 15 songs that you'd like to share a pick of yours that you'd like to share <laughs> with the listeners? Uh, Are you tapped out on playing right now? Either way is fine. No, I'd, I'd like to do something new, but uh, this record is a little bit heavier than the format we have here with the acoustics. So maybe I okay. could do something new, more acoustic version kind yeah, of thing. Whatever you want to do. All right. The floor is yours. All right. Uh, This one's called Tremolo. And this is unrecorded, unreleased. It's brand new. I think this is the first song I played with you. Yeah, sure. So too. Maybe once again we got Ned Evett over here playing playing the hell out of that fretless guitar. The Ned Special is the name of is the name of my guitar. All right, this was called Tremolo. It goes like this. In my dream, I woke up and fell asleep in a head. Her lips were moving, but I couldn't tell what she said. When I opened my eyes, I could hear her miles away. And I swore that I thought I heard her say, Follow me, I'll lead you home. And we'll get lost in the tremolo. 
This one's off of the the new release. No, so I just wrote this about a week ago. Okay, yeah, and it's called Tremolo. Tremolo, and it, it, will it be on a release? Absolutely. Okay, it's going to be the the biggest, greatest hit of all time. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> like Bill, Bill, Billboard number one. It sounds like a single. Yeah, it does. Yeah, a classic. It does. Rock, maybe a classic rock radio. I love it. Yeah, love it. <laughs> radio Benelu. Yeah, there you go. Well, let's, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. That. Let's change gears just a little bit and talk about guitars. What do you play in there, Zach? This is a 1972 Takamini, but a lot of guitar guys will notice the lawsuit guitar because Martin 
they didn't actually get to sue him. They, they cease and desisted Takamini because it's, it's basically a Martin guitar. Yeah. And it's a old one. Yeah. From, from a distance, it looks like a Martin oh, yeah. until you walk up on it. Everybody thinks it is. And I never, until you pointed it out, the fonts on Takamini on the, <laughs> yeah, on were, the headstock, it's they like they didn't, even change, either, they they didn't even change it. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to do it, you might as well just do it all the yeah. way, right? And it's, uh, it's been quite a songwriter for me. I've written a lot of songs on this guitar. Is that the main stage? Is that the working guitar there for you on stage? Well, not on stage, not okay. anymore. It's, it's old and tired. I just played at home, write songs on it. Yeah. yeah. And I think there was also a guitar that was designed here on the island for you. Was it by Falcon, Falcon, Falcon Eddie, right? Guitar Company. They, yeah. they did a Zach Perry signature release acoustic guitar. They shipped some over to France for me, and they, they bought them up pretty quick. Over Did there. they? Yeah. I had my eye on one and never pulled the trigger. I don't know what was going on at the time. but Are it, you the guy? Because he was telling me that yeah. some guy came in and put $500 down. I No, I didn't, but I was in contact with him. We had, came I, back. And, and, uh, yeah, no, that wasn't me. <laughs> I'm like, well, I haven't seen that check yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that wasn't me. <laughs> don't, don't, don't hunt me down on that one. No, we we had talked about pricing, and I don't know. I think I might have bought a tailor. Uh, I had a tailor yeah. held for me, and um, I don't know what was going on at the time. But it was a beautiful, yeah, beautiful, beautiful guitar. guitar. Yeah, you yeah, can sure. them all. They're they're really nice. Yep. Let's talk about your instrument, Ned, because that is a that is a that's an instrument right there. It's, so you you guys uh, are not here with us. But when I first, so, so today, again, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that today was the first day that I've met Ned. It's been a great pleasure. What a great player you are, too. It's been a joy to Thank you. Uh, listen to the, the tunes. But when he pulled this thing out, I, I really didn't know what to think because even as a guitarist of 37-some-odd years, I've never seen such an animal. So share a little bit about the description and the, the, the background on this guitar. Well, this is a fretless guitar, so it has no frets on the fingerboard. And about, geez, geez, gosh, it's been almost 23 years ago, I started using glass fingerboards instead of wood. Because slide players use glass slides, and I started making the actual fingerboard out of glass. And that enables me to slide my fingers over and essentially play slide guitar with my fingers. I've noticed that sometimes you'll move, you have a slide almost serving as a capo. Yes, I, about five years ago, I came up with this thing called the slide capo. Because, because my fingerboards are flat, I use one of those old uh, Dunlop capos stuck through the middle of a Dunlop slide and enables you to move the capo. And you can do like behind the nut bends. Get, I get like I, a steel guitar. Too, I, yeah. I call it standing steel because you yeah. play standing. <laughs> and um, yeah, you want to sit on a beach somewhere with an <laughs> umbrella in my drink, man. But I haven't done a fretted guitar gig in. 20 years. So I, I get people come up to me all the time and go, Hey, where's your regular guitar? <laughs> or where's your real guitar? I go say, well, where's your glass neck? <laughs> <laughs> so are you, are you the inventor of this? I am. 
Yeah, I am. Uh, Quite the, amazing, isn't it? I've never in my life. Yeah, now, there's amazing. A, there is a community of fretless guitar players. I didn't invent the fretless guitar, but I invented the glass neck guitar. Sure. And probably the best known fretless guitar player I could think of is my friend Adrian Ballou, who produced my last record in Nashville called Treehouse. And he's a fellow fretless guitar player. He played with David Bowie and the Talking Heads and yeah. Nine Inch Nails. He's a man. Oh, yeah, he's a man. He's a man. And, uh, and anyway, so he, rec- he produced my last record. And um, it's great to have somebody at the knobs who understands where you're at, where you're coming Absolutely. from. Absolutely. So, Are they in production? Is this the only one? Or you, do you sell them? Here's the deal. I used to run a website called fretlessguitar.com. And we built guitars for John Frusciante or the Red Hot Chili Peppers. We did uh, one for Dweezil Zappa, one for Martin Gore of Depeche Mode. And a bunch of jazz players. And we stopped. I stopped. I, I basically got out of doing it because I'm just not a guitar shop guy. I'm a, right. I'm a road musician. And I kind of had to choose between sure. being a player performer and being a guitar. I, and I honestly, I probably should have taken the guitars. They were getting a lot more money than is, I was. Is this similar to Sonny Landris behind the f- oh, slide yeah. technique? Sl- a lot of slide players do the thing where you play behind the, uh, the, sl- the, you know, the slide. Right. There's, there's harmonics back there. Okay. And I've seen Sonny do that. The cool thing about a fretless guitar is you can actually move the harmonics. Oh, you can't do that on a real guitar. <laughs> Amazing. And wow. if, you ha- if you have frets, then you can't do it. So anyway, I do fretless guitar because I'm obsessed with it. And I've put so many years into it and developing it that it's just, it's just become my thing. It's, it's amazingly unique, and the, the sound is, well, it looks like it's a lot easier to tote around than a steel guitar would be, right? Uh, it's, it's <laughs> a funny. little bit, right? You, pedal steel guitars are pretty heavy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Franklin, yeah. I'm, I'm actually playing, I played a couple of shows with a pedal steel player for the first time, and when they break this thing out and all the pedals that, that go with it and all that, it takes a little... It's a little bit of an effort to get it all set up and carry around. It like it, though, oh, no, it's, it's a, choir, a beautiful sound. It's a choir of angels. Oh, yeah. Golly, that is the most yeah. cool. I had Brad Paisley's pedal steel player, Randall Curie, on my last record, which was came out in 2020 called All American Radio, and he played pedal steel guitar. So it was a really cool hookup to hear Frel's guitar and pedal steel on the same track. Wow. Now, does the glass actually, does it bend? Glass is remarkably flexible to a point. So it's as flexible as it needs to be for a guitar. You know, if anything that would crack the fingerboard would probably crack your neck. The biggest enemy is chipping. If you chip the edges, like with a mic stand, goes bonk. And, yes. and I have had boards break on tour, and I, have, I carry a little kit with me that enables me to change your fingerboard in about six hours. <laughs> I would have to think that it would have to it would have to move some because you, even though it's a fretless guitar, you'd still have to quote unquote fret the strings. Oh yeah. Right? Well, you have to think it's really flexible. Like I, I can do like neck bends. Okay. And it stays and doesn't break. And so, yeah, I've tested the limits. <laughs> what would that guitar? So for those that can't see, it's your typical kind of a strat bodied guitar. Um, mm-hmm. If you see this in your mind's eye, and it's a regular six-string electric, but how do you tune this? What oh, is it? An open tuning that you're in? I use or? an open tuning. Okay. I use an open E tuning, which is the Robert Johnson tuning. Although he capoed a lot, but uh, that's what the that's the tuning. So it's it's not the G tuning, which I also have used in the past. But I just really I've sort of transferred all of my guitar soloing knowledge over to the open tuning. 
And Frel's guitar, you can you can do this beautiful thing. It sounds like a theremin. Because there's no frets in the way moving the notes around. Wow. So that's another good sort of advantage of that I like. And it's very vocal. It's harder than crap to play. I won't, I won't lie. Yeah. Kids, don't do it. What goes into learning to play? Is it really just sitting down and just playing with it until you get it all figured out? Do, do like, the same principles apply with oh, a regular yeah. guitar? Well, most more with slide guitar. You bring okay. the note to you, so you, you tune it on the fly. So it's more like slide guitar in terms of the practicing type thing, you know? Yeah. So, so I was wondering, um, who is your favorite slide guitar player? My favorite slide guitar player? Bonnie Raitt. Really? No question. I know she's, I don't know, her influences were quite direct. She learned from some of the greats, like, yeah, you know. Like, you know, John Lee. Lightning Hunter. Hopkins. Yeah, like learning from them. From she, them, yeah. She came along at the right time. So I've always loved her style. One note, you know it's her. And uh, so, yeah, she's definitely. And uh, Derek Trucks is an alien. Derek Trucks is literally <laughs> the Buddha of the slide guitar. I'm telling He's you, He's the man that we all go to the top of the mountain to say, Buddha. It's quite how amazing. How can I get Quite better? amazing. Yeah. I, uh, I'd love I, to hear yeah. you guys play together. So would I. <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready. Bucket though. list, right? Honestly, don't know if I'm ready. But uh, I'm, try- I'm trying to get there. And, and you know. Well, yeah. that, that guitar has been a treat for me because, well, probably like you. I don't. Did you have you seen anything no, like this was, before he shocked. jumped in with I was you? Shocked. Like, I haven't even heard of it. I haven't either. Uh, like it's brand shocked. new to me. I was shocked. But I, I like to say that uh, there's a first for everything, and this has been a, a treat to hear it. And it accompanies you very nice. Absolutely. I mean, it makes, it makes everything you do Perfect. sound really nice. Of course, you're playing in Texas. You're playing shows in Texas right now. Talk a little bit about travel plans coming up. I leave Texas on November 2nd. I go up to St. Louis for a couple shows, and then I go down to Florida for about six weeks of shows. Siesta Key, Florida. I'm going to hang out with a guy named... We haven't confirmed it yet, but a guy named Bobby Schneck that also grew up in St. Louis with me, and he's now the Joe Perry's guitar tech. So, okay, <laughs> and he's a great player himself. So, I'm gonna go down there and try and hang out with him and play some shows, and waiting to return to Europe in March. I go back. Is it, are things still locked down over there right now, or is it kind of weird? It's uh, yeah, we we canceled our fall tour over there because you know the French people are in revolt over the vaccine mandate and. They're pretty up in arms over there, so we decided just to not hassle with it. You yeah, know, that makes sense. And how about you, Ned? What's next on the travels for for you? I'm I'm working on a new record as well. I've, although I'm unlike Zach, you know, they're mixed. They're mixed down. I'm doing an instrumental record okay. with the Frels guitar, and I'm going to have that out hopefully. You know, well, definitely by April when I go back over to Europe to tour. So I'm just in Galveston working on that in my home studio. I've got a gig at the Old Quarter, December 12th, with Rex Bill, and because I do acoustic fretless as well, which is really fun. I have an acoustic dobro. So yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just you know, I'm I'm loving life. I love life on the island here in Galveston, and just you know, trying to stay in good shape and getting ready for it when everybody's touring again yeah for sure it'll be nice to get all the musicians back out doing their thing Absolutely. it's kind of you know we were coming out of that pandemic a little bit and then the variant came around and everybody started getting covid again and it's, it's just been crazy and especially for you guys that make a living on a stage you know I, i've been fortunate where 
I've had a, a nine to five job that, that pays my mortgage and then play music on the side. So I've never had to rely on that. Right. But it's good to see you guys uh, getting back out there and it was getting, tough. getting some cheeseburger money in the tip jar, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Where can the listeners find both of you guys on social media? Where can they find the music if they want to hear it? Talk them through that. Uh, you can go to my website, which is ZachPerry.com, Z-A-K-P-E-R-Y. And of course, you can you can go to iTunes and Spotify and steal right from us there. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're I'm sure Ned's on all that stuff too. It's yeah, well, I buy it when you can steal it, right? It's amazing. I it get is. I get checks for six cents. <laughs> you, know? you spend it all at one time? I can't. <laughs> Who's buying tonight? That's yeah. what I want to know. With these six cents. Uh, I'm wondering who else. Well, where's Ned, the money well, going? Well, Ned said he made ten cents, so he's making more than you are. So he's I buying tonight. I'm buying. <laughs> Cheeseburgers and water on on Ned tonight. Well, where right? is that money going? Right, Sweden, I yeah. guess. It's a Swiss bank account. Somewhere. It's a travesty what's happening to artists out there right now. They get ripped off for sure. Terribly. Do you do vinyl, Zach? Uh, this, this will be the first one. Waking Up the Vultures will be the first one that I have coming out on vinyl. That is I'm, cool. I'm really excited about that. Oh, wow, I just started collecting vinyl. I'll, uh, that'll be nice to right, get my hands yeah. on that. I Maybe remember the I'm days lucky, when the vinyl would me. come out, the record would come out, and you'd open it. Oh, the liner notes were the greatest. Yeah. The, the kids and they dig all these days thing. are missing yeah. it. No, the kids actually dig vinyl. Like, uh, yeah, I it's a thing now for yeah, sure. It's coming back yeah. for sure. Yeah, the new record's going to sound great on vinyl. I'm probably not going to do vinyl. I do. I use a site called Bandcamp. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, because they actually pay you. Yeah, oh, do they? It's amazing. Wow. Yeah. It's, so you actually can buy a cheeseburger after I, I would buy you guys cheeseburgers, <laughs> whatever you want. We're also hoping to put the new one out on eight track. <laughs> <laughs> you probably have one in your your garage now. Why you? like, no, in my car, man. <laughs> you look like an eight track kind of guy. Why stop? Then he then he probably has an eight track somewhere yeah. from, from the old school acetate. Old yeah. school answering machines use those tapes. Yeah. Let's do some quick fire questions. Six forty sevens, right time? No. no. Oh, okay. No, no, Because no. we're on like in thirteen minutes. Thirteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Zach and Ned will be playing over at Jamoka Bean. The Jamoka Bean um, in Jamaica, Bean. Jamaica Beach, Texas. Yep, it's right at right at six. So single answers for both of you guys. You can both chime in if you want to elaborate. You know, it's a I've got time if you've got time. But if you if you want to just a single answer, that's cool. Beatles or the Stones, Zach. Bowie. <laughs> the Kings. Beatles or the Stones, Zach. <laughs> well, man, I don't know. That's that's. I, that's tough, man. That's tough. As a songwriter, it's hard to match the Beatles, but they didn't have Keith Richards, so I don't know. That's a tough one, man. You, I'm, I'm going to plead no comment on that. All right, one. that's fair enough. Wise. I'll take the I will take the catalog of the Beatles and the the myth of the Rolling Stones. Hey, man, that's, answer. A, that's a, a good answer. answer yeah. Great answer because yeah. they created a viable myth out of American style music and have made it real for people for all this time. I agree with that. Surely see them until the end. And they are actually a band that paid tribute the stones to their blues influences, you know, like absolutely Zeppelin did not do Robert Johnson. Yeah. 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 Zeppelin is more like we came up with this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's that's keeping your cards too close to your chest. Absolutely. Absolutely. How about from a guitar perspective, Van Halen or Hendrix? Hendrix. I'd have to take Jimmy as well, too. I love Eddie. You know, God rest both their souls. But uh, Absolutely. 
once again, for me, it comes down to the song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although Eddie was a fine rhythm player and songwriter. Very underrated rhythm yeah. player. The Hendrix, you know, all, I mean, you know, his tunes. Yeah. yeah. Summer or winter? Fall. <laughs> <laughs> I had to go with summer. I hate winter. That's why I live in, that's why I live in Galveston. Yeah. It's just summer, 100%. I figured you guys would say summer being Galvestonians. Yeah. Uh, Except for the hurricanes. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> TV or radio? Radio all day long. And that's hard to find good radio these days, too. But there's absolutely nothing on TV worth watching. Nothing. That's my hobby. <laughs> I think opinion. it dumbs you down the more you watch oh it. It God. just, it's horrible. I, in fact, I got rid of cable a couple of years ago and I don't, I just, I don't have time for it. Yeah. And I don't miss it at all. I used to like to watch the news, but. Now well, that's even worse. <laughs> that's even man. worse than the shows on TV. It really is. Where does, you, stre- where does streaming fit into? Is that like a third choice? Because I, I don't watch TV like with Ned, Ned wants. Ned wants to make his own questions. He wants. He wants the hybrid questions. Radio. Radio. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Uh, perfect vacation, Zach. Boy. Uh, Jamaica Beach, <laughs> Dallas. You know, I've, I've traveled so much through Europe now that it's it's really hard to choose a place. There's so much beauty over there. But I love the south of France, the Ardèche region, region or the Alsace region of France, okay. eastern France, I think. You got a vacation spot? No. Simreep, Cambodia, home of Angkor Wat. Okay. It's a really, it's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It's, it's worth, and it's, your money goes there forever. And Anchor Watt is just insanely cool. So that money, all that money y'all make off those royalty checks, you could live there in Cambodia for yeah. a little while, right? <laughs> Start a rice plantation. Yeah, right? Uh, acoustic or electric? I, I incorporate both of them in my music so much that uh, acoustic for writing. You know, I write, a lot of my songs are written for a band. And then there's songs that are written... For, a, for acoustic kind of setting, so. Well, you got some tough questions. I told you to bring yeah. your guitar in your brain today, didn't I? I'd say uh, it all started with acoustic, so I'm going to go with acoustic. Okay. I'd have to say electric. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've always been trying to escape escape the acoustic in a sense, although for songwriting, it's just That's like it's, in, it's essential. You have to be able to. And I guess I've done just the opposite. I've escaped electric and just been a, an acoustic guy for. It's a whole different beast. It, it really is. is. Yeah. Early bird or night owl? Well, when you're a night owl, you 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 are an early bird because you're up all night. So you're being tech, you're being technical now. <laughs> you know what I mean by my in this business. That. You have to be somewhat of a night owl. Well, I see you online sometimes at six in the morning, and I don't know if you've been up until six or if you're waking up at six. Yeah, right? And you and, and you may not want anybody to know that. that that's your own little secret, right? <laughs> How about you, Ned? Early bird or night owl? Total night owl. Really. That's pretty typical with musicians, although sure. I'm the opposite. I'm, I'm the early bird, so I'm an exception to the rule, I guess. Favorite place to play? And you can plead the fifth on that one because we sometimes, probably as musicians, don't want to hurt the feelings of the, the places that uh, bring us in to play. But is there, is there a place that sticks out in your mind that has been your favorite place to play? Well, I mean, in, in general, I love the outdoor open air festivals in Europe. They're amazing. But I played a show at the Le Tribendo Theater in Paris, which was a pretty amazing place to play a show. Whiskey Jacks, a little bar in Sun Valley, Idaho. 
I used to go there all the time and it would get these most, the random, random groups would come through there. And, uh, and I always loved playing in that little town. Interesting. You know, people just love music there. So just in the middle of nowhere, huh? It is in the middle Literally. Of, of nowhere. Yeah. It's a ski resort. And okay. uh, so it's full of like, it's got this weird layer of like hippies and Bruce Willis. <laughs> and That's an eclectic group, right? There. You know, he actually, Bruce Willis came into one of my shows on 6th Street in Austin one time, and, and we had a pretty badass harp player in the band at the time, and on my CD, and I know that he plays harp, you know, Bruce Willis, so I went up and gave him one of my CDs, and and I watched him get up and walk out and throw it in the trash. <laughs> Are you being serious? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Wow, Brad that's a dick though. move. Yeah, that's the word, yeah. yeah so I just give hey, Bruce Willis, me, you're a dick. I'm going on. I'm going on air to say Bruce Willis is a real dick. In fact, I just watched that yesterday. As a matter of fact, I feel like he might have had a bad day, or I don't know what it happened. But do you have a favorite song to play live? Usually, the latest one I've written. Okay, I have a song called Slacker Jazz. It's cool because it's one chord and I can show it to European musicians in a pinch. <laughs> it's one chord, D, D, D minor, D, funk. The saddest of like, all keys. Oh, yeah. Formal training or play by ear? Completely by ear for me. I, I can't read music or I just try and hear the melodies. Yeah. Same with you. I'm formally self-educated. Okay. <laughs> which is a Frank Zappa quote. Yeah, yeah. Everything you want to learn about music theory is available in the, in, in the library or on YouTube. It is. And the, the challenge is if you do go, if you go down that route to unlearn it so it doesn't screw yeah. up your songwriting or, your, or your, your ability to play by ear. What did you say earlier? You, you said something about something to Juilliard or something <laughs> like that. What? Yes, there is such a thing as too much Juilliard in rock and yeah, roll. Absolutely. I get it. Yeah. It's, it's too... Uh, I guess fabricated, right? If it's too Juilliard, it's it's probably a little fab. Maybe it's not the inability the right to word. just wing it. Yeah, kind of like like you were doing with Zach because you don't know these songs, right? You're winging. I you're feel winging like something I do. In the a great key, song. Right? You already, you feel like you've already heard it. You know it. Yeah. It's just like when you hear a new song. So as a guitar player, it's the same thing. It's like oh, yeah. I already know this song somehow. Yeah, right on. Number one influential band or musician, individual musician. I'd have to say my mother, because she would sit out, we had a piano in the garage, and she'd sit out there on Sundays and play, play and sing, and that was my earliest influence, because she was really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, was dad a musician at all? Dad was a, he was a nightclub crooner. Okay. A wannabe Sinatra. Wow, <laughs> really? But he could sing too, yeah. He could do it, huh? Yeah, and he had a 90-year-old woman named Odessa that played piano with him, so it was, it was interesting. So you come from a musical family. Yeah. Not, nobody did it professionally, but they were yes. all gotcha. had music in them. Yeah. Well, they don't have to be professionals to be That's influential, true. right? That's true. How about yeah. you? You know, I always go back to the well. I always, when I'm like not feeling it, I go back. I listen to some Jimi Hendrix. I listen to Band of Gypsies a lot recently. A lot of his live at Winterland shows. And something about him live always just fills my tank up. And I go back and I feel refreshed. So right I have to give that, you know, it's due. Yep. 
And I know you're a big Justin Bieber fan, right, Zach? Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm a believer. <laughs> is that one of the songs you actually know on? Oh, no, that's I'm a Believer by the Monkeys. Oh, the Monkeys. Well, I'm a, a, be, a believer. believer. Oh, yeah. That's his fans are called belie- are Believers. Oh, okay. Yeah, I believe in Justin Bieber. Yeah. Guess I'm not as big a fan as you know what? <laughs> Justin Bieber, I will say this. He's a super talented yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, you got to give him props. You want to be is. a prop artist, they're going to limit your choices. Yeah. And I don't feel like he's used his power enough. Yeah. He has power. He's Justin Bieber. He could right. do anything he wants. Absolutely. Although, to be fair, maybe he's doing exactly what he wants. So who might have said? Greatest song of all time to you guys. <laughs> is there such a thing? I don't But if so. you had to pick one. If you had to pick one. Oh, man. Where would you start on that? I don't. I've heard. I've heard some of my guests say "Amazing Grace," totally out of left field. I do a version of that. Yeah. Uh, yes, you do. I love the story. Story behind that. It's a great story. Yeah. But well, I don't know, man. That's a tough one. I think you may have answered. I think "Amazing Grace" literally might be that song. It like, could be. Yeah, it's first. It's best. What else is there? So we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> you got a favorite song, Denny? You're sitting over there quiet. No. no. That, that is, that's probably not. Yeah. Because of those, the backstory and yeah. everything's involved in it. It's incredible. Yep. Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah is cool because, that's, that's, that's yeah, because it gives you the blueprint for the chord progression in the first verse. It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, yeah, the true. minor fall, the major lift, the yeah. baffled king composes Hallelujah. So it literally has the structure of the right. song embedded in the <laughs> lyrics. Yeah, I never, I never realized so how brilliant that is. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. The four chord, the five chord, the, the minor chord. The and major. he sings about that in the song, you know. Sets it up right in the first verse, I believe. Yeah. 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 And then he sings about the minor fall, the major minutes. lift. Yeah. Yeah. It's a song about sex, which is so funny because a lot of times you see like little kids will sing it. Yes. And they sing it in church. And I'm like, are you listening to the yeah. lyrics of the song? You know, what's funny is I had a, a little girl come up to me at No Label Brewery in Katy. And she said she was probably 12. She said, can I sing a song with you? And I'm like, oh, yeah, which song do you want to do? And she said, how about Hallelujah? So she sang that. We, I played it. I pulled it up on the Internet. I didn't know the chords. Played it. She sang it verse, you know, verse for verse. And wow. I, I didn't know that about the song. And it's kind of interesting that. Those lyrics are yeah. pretty dark and heavy, yeah. man. Yeah. They're yeah. very adult. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, that, maybe. That song's up there, too. I, that's another one that's just getting worn out by everybody's oh, yeah. doing covers. That. Everybody's doing that. It's like he's got a bunch of other songs we could do. <laughs> Tower song comes to mind. That's yeah. Well, Zach and Ned, I want to thank you guys for taking the time. I wish you both continued success here in the States and, a, and abroad, of course. I ask the listeners to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Also, make sure to follow Zach and Ned on social media. Get out there and buy those songs, download those songs, look out for the new stuff that's coming out for both of these guys. We're probably going to end up doing a record together, too, over in Europe. So That's awesome. We'll keep you heard it. You heard it first right here. That's on right. Backstage Thanks Pass Radio. a lot for having us, brother. Yeah. Sure. So as always, you guys can find the show on Facebook at Backstage Pass Radio podcast on Instagram at Backstage Pass Radio on Twitter at Backstage Pass PC and on the website at Backstage Pass Again, Zach and Ned, thank you guys for joining us thank and you. have a great show tonight. Thank you very much. See you soon. 
so much for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of Backstage Pass Radio. Make sure to follow Randy on Facebook and Instagram at Randy Halsey Music and on Twitter at R Halsey Music. Also make sure to like, subscribe, and turn on alerts for upcoming podcasts. If you enjoyed the podcast, make sure to share the link with a friend and tell them Backstage Pass Radio is the best show on the web for everything music. We'll see you next time right here on Backstage Pass Radio.